Welcome to the Millerville Community Church podcast of our Sunday morning sermon series, where the Word of God is always the focus of our hearts and prayers. If you would like to join the growing community of seekers and believers who support MCC podcasts, just go to our website, www.millervillechurch.org, and you can make your online donation anytime. And now, here is a message from Sunday morning at MCC. Well, welcome back. I hope everyone got a chance to uh, say hi to somebody new today, got their coffees filled up. We've got some special guests here today from Rescue Cambodia. They're going to tell us about some of the work they're doing in Cambodia and, and some of the, you're going to hear about, I don't want to steal the whole presentation, but the three orphanages and the, uh, the other building they're working in there. There's a table at the back. If you haven't had a chance to see it yet, be sure to stop by and say hi there. So um, without further ado... The one known as Maye, which is Cambodian for grandmother or grandma, I'd like to introduce Marie Anne to come up and present to us. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a privilege to be with you. Uh, it's been a while, and I think I have good long-time friends. I don't say old friends, huh? Lots of good long-time friends here and some new friends that maybe have never, ever heard of what the Lord is doing through Rescue Cambodia. Cambodia is such a wonderful little country. It's like a little jewel in Southeast Asia. Beautiful sugar palm trees and fluorescent rice fields. Uh, a country that God has blessed with so much blessing. We have a, we have an, uh, a seaside. We have mountains. We have a big lake in the middle. We have a river that runs into the lake at a certain time of the year and runs out of the lake another time. It's an amazing little country that the Lord has showered so much blessing on and that Satan totally tried to destroy in the, during the years of the genocide in, from 1975 to 79. But now God is blessing in so many ways, and I have the wonderful privilege to share in that blessing that he's pouring out. He has chosen a little place there called Rescue Cambodia, and into this place in about 2002 came a little boy by the name of Tia. And I want to reference what I'm saying today in, uh, in that in that. Uh, uh, in the life of Tia, who came when he was a little, maybe four years old. Tia's dad had died of AIDS already because at that time, the uh, refugee, the, the, the AIDS crisis was so terrible, up to 3% of the population was infected. And so Tia came to these little thatch and brick houses that we had at the time, enough for about 16 families and sometimes two families living in one of those little houses. Tia's father, like this man, will have died of AIDS already, and the family spent all their resources trying to help him get better, but there was no cure. And so he passed away. And so Tia came with his mom and his little sister. And uh, uh, look at this picture. Tia's face, he gets it, right? He, he's been told what's going to happen, and he gets it. Little sister, all happy and friendly. Mom trying bravely to smile in spite of the fact that she knows she won't be here long. She will have told Tia also, you're the big brother. You look after your little sister. And I can see the responsibility on that little face. Tia's mom passed away, as they all did at that time, because we did not have the antiretroviral drugs for them. But hey, they went to heaven. I used to say to them, heaven is even more wonderful than Cambodia, quite facetiously. Well, Tia then was a part of that little group of children that we had at the very beginning, just all the children of, of the adults coping with AIDS at that time. And he would go to school. The big kids had bikes to ride, and, and they would double the little kids to the local government school. Not a very good option because they only got to go half a day. 
So one morning, there's T and his little friend in front of my gate. And uh, I said, oh, how come your guys aren't in school? And Tia says to his little friend, Kim, teacher's not teaching today. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. All the other kids are in school. So I checked it out, and sure enough, those monkeys, they were playing hooky. So they were in bad trouble. Not only had they skipped school, they had lied to my, yay, they had lied to grandma. And so we had to nip that in the bud. What they loved to do more than anything was meet under my house. My house is up on pillars. We bring my TV down there, and they just all loved to watch a video because they didn't have TV in their own houses and didn't get to do these special things very often. So that was really wonderful. So I said to the little boys, okay, we're seeing a movie tonight, and you guys can't come because you lied to grandma and you skipped school. So we were just nicely into this movie, and one of the kids says, Tia and Kim are sitting over there on the steps. And I took one little hand in each of my hands and walked them back to their house, and they cried. Oh, my goodness. I'm sure he understood Grandma's hearts, right, Grandmas that are here. Our grandkids get away with more than they don't, their parents allow them to do, maybe. And anyway, he was thinking, well, Grandma, if I really cry, Grandma will give in, and I'll get to see the movie. But I didn't. I brought him all the way home. And uh, then they really cried, cause they, so I could hear them through the window. Well, I didn't like that. That wasn't fun. So in a couple of days later, I said, you know, we're going to do this again. Usually we didn't do it so often. But I said, we're going to watch another movie. And this, this time you guys can come. Because I think you learned your lesson, right? And I said, but, but, but. Yes, 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 yes. So we did it again. So just to say... We now have 470 children. Discipline is not always easy. And we want, them to, we want them to be shining stars for Jesus, and we want to facilitate that. Well, it wasn't long before we had the donations that came rolling in in an amazing way as God provided at that time. And we were able to build orphan homes for those children, beginning with the ones whose parents had died right on our property. And then also, as we sent word out through the villages and everywhere, that there's a place to receive the orphans as the parents are dying of AIDS. And that was our first group of children that came. And so we put 10 houses in a square with a grassy place in between, either a house full of boys or a house full of girls. And so Tia would have been in a house full of boys like this and his little sister in a house full of girls with wonderful house moms who virtually adopt the children that they're looking after. And I wonder how many of you would really love the job of looking after 10 boys or 10 girls, maybe, I'm not sure which is easier, 24-7. Uh, they don't get any time off their mom. And just like all of you moms, you can't say it's a shift. It's not shift work. Huh? So their moms, they do everything for the children. They, they, uh, they prepare the food. They get them off to school with devotions in the morning and send them off and do everything for them. We have a playground and... Uh, Built way back then, it was starting to really fall apart, but we, uh, I thank God so much because we got a generous donation from some people in Manitoba, and our, our playground is being refurbished. Also, we have a paddling pool, wading pool, whatever, you, whatever term you use here, and uh, you can imagine when it gets to be 40 that those kids love to take a dip after school or on the weekends. I want to say something about the food. You know... Um, uh, we keep our kids as Cambodian as we possibly can. We don't want them to grow up feeling like they don't fit into their own culture. And so we try very hard to do everything as much in the Cambodian way as we can. I'm the only person that's not Cambodian that's involved at all, except, of course, for my son-in-law, Blaine Sylvester, who's here, and he's in charge of everything that happens in Canada. And so he's on the Canadian side, and I'm over there on the Cambodian side, 
but everybody else is Cambodian. All the mums, all the teachers, all the pastors, everybody is Cambodian. And so we, we try to raise them Cambodian, and one of those things is you eat on the floor. We can afford tables and chairs. We could. But then they would grow up, and they would go to the village, and maybe grandma or a friend would serve the food on a, on a mat on the floor, and they'd say, I don't know how to eat on the floor. Do you guys know how to sit down and eat? on the floor. It'd be not so easy, right? And so we keep them Cambodian. They have good food. Not super, super, super good, but good enough. Um, at the present time, they get their things like fish sauce, rice, uh, soap, those anything that, that has a shelf life. They get that once a month. And then they get 75 cents per child per day for three meals. And the mums go to market, and that's how much they have to spend. That's for meat, vegetables, fruit, soft noodles, anything that has a, that uh, is perishable. We also have a, a beautiful big vegetable garden. So in season, it looks like that. Lots of green vegetables, leafy vegetables, green, uh, long green beans, cucumbers, corn, squash, uh, all kinds of all kinds of good vegetables. So most days during the season, when when stuff grows well, they will have something to add to their diet. And fish day, what a fun time that is when those fish grow up big enough that they can harvest them. Sometimes they'll put a battery in a pan and shock the water, and the fish all just nicely come up to be harvested. <laughs> they tell me don't try that in Canada. <laughs> we also raise chickens and ducks, and we're going to start raising bees soon so that we'll have honey for everybody. So as time went on, we were able to we were able to build our own school. We got a generous donation from a church in Airdrie, and we were able to build our own school. And that's so much better. They can't play hooky now. <laughs> They'll be everybody knows where they always are. So grade one to six, we have our own school. And uh, at the present time, we're building a high school for grade seven, eight, and nine. And if the Lord sends in the funding, we'll run it. If not, it'll we'll wait. Uh, anyway, for, for the kids now from grade one to six, they go to school very early in the morning. They start at seven and often don't finish till four because we've added Bible and music and uh, computer and English, all of those things into the curriculum so they get a good, well-rounded education. During the time when Tia and his little sister, Sarahian, were quite young, so he got very sick. She got hemorrhagic fever, or in, they also call it dengue fever, a mosquito-borne disease that makes you, it can be fatal for a child. And Tia was scared. Oh, he was so scared. He'd already lost his dad and his mom, and now all he had was his little sister. I remember we bought, we gave him a teddy bear, and we went to took him to the hospital to visit her, just just for to put his heart down, assure him, hey, she's okay. We can give them good medical attention. Whereas sometimes in the villages they don't get that, and so sometimes yeah, they would pass away from that disease. But he and say he is just fine. Once a year, except for this year, we're going to skip because we're short of funds. But normally once a year. Everybody gets to go to the beach all at the same time. From all of our three places and the university kids and the adults and the children, everybody, about uh, about 600 people. We all go in convoys of buses, and uh, those are not bumblebees in the water. Those are the our kids with their yellow T-shirts provided by Sun Life so that we can easily tell which are our kids and which aren't. It's a wonderful time to get together. It doesn't cost very much per person, but when you multiply that by... 600 people, it's quite a lot of money to come up with. Well, we had our, our place of rescue, too, uh, in, in the north. Um, we had just gotten them 
organized. We just got their houses built and got everything fixed up for them. And then I came back to Canada on a speaking tour like this. And I was speaking at a church in St. Albert because they had helped us a lot with that second place. And so I'm telling them, I was there to tell them about what was happening. Uh, Pastor Bonchui from Rescue Two, Place of Rescue Two had sent us an, an email and said, while you're on tour, how about you try to raise enough money for us to take the kids to the beach? Well, I'm thinking, last year you didn't have enough money to eat. This year you want to go on a holiday to the beach. No, that's not going to happen. And my Cambodian counterparts also said, oh, no, there's no way that they shouldn't get to go. That's too expensive. And then I was, as I was speaking at that church in, here in Canada, I told them about what we were doing and how the progress that had been made and showed them pictures of the houses and everything. But of course, they didn't mention the beach because they're not going, right? And then at the book table at the end of the service, this kind of a businessman type of guy comes up to me and he says, I'm supposed to give you some money, but I don't know what for. And right away, I thought, oh, not Munkovarai to the beach. But I didn't say anything because they're not going, right? And that, uh, my son-in-law, Blaine, starts to tell them about, well... We have all these university students, and it's going to be expensive to send them there. And different things he mentioned, and I could tell by the look on this guy's face, he's not, that's, he's not biting at that bait. That's not it. Finally, I thought, well, i got to say something. So I said, well, the kids in Mongo, Pastor in Mongo, but I wants to take the kids to the beach, but it's very expensive. It's about $4,000. And he said, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to give you this money for. I forgot. I, I can courier the check. Um, I said, never mind, never mind. It just I can tell him you said yes, and so I can tell the director up there. The thing is, folks, Cambodia's evening is morning here, right? It's evening over there, sleeping over there. So evening, uh, morning, it's morning here. We're having our service. The kids are over there, probably tucked into bed already. But that evening, <clears throat> that evening, uh, they they fasted over supper. And they had a prayer meeting instead. And I know the main thing they were praying is, Jesus, we want to go to the beach. And what does the Lord do? He touches this guy on the other side of the world and says, tell him you have some money for them. How could he know what it was for? It makes me shiver. The Lord loves those kids so much. And he loves their faith. He loves, the director up there says, he tells the kids, God's not poor. Go ahead and ask. They'll learn soon enough that you don't get everything you ask for. But at least ask. Ask. And so, praise God, the Lord answered their prayers, and they all got to go to the beach. And, and since then, we've gone every year. And one of the wonderful things that happens, besides all the fun of playing in the water and eating together and all the stuff we do, six, seven kids in one hotel room, big old sleepover. <laughs> and then we have a baptismal service, and it's lovely to see that line of people go in and be baptized. I love a baptismal service, don't you? It's just such a special time. And Tia tells me that in, in 2015, he was one of the people in that queue as they walked in, and that's when Tia declared his faith and his desire to follow Jesus all the days of his life. Our children at Place of Rescue, all the children and the adults, really love to praise the Lord. Uh, I am 100% convinced that this is what's going to bring healing to their emotional into their emotional health. They've gone through so many bad things. Three families of our children, uh, in which a total, total number of about 12, saw their fathers murder their mothers. 
and they've come with that bondage. They've seen their father, a lot of domestic violence. They've seen fathers beat up mothers, come home drunk, beat up mothers. They've seen, they've been hungry, some saying that there was enough to eat in the morning, but then there wouldn't be anything in the evening or in the evening, but not in the morning. So they've all come from really hard places and they need a lot of inner healing. Pray for us, with us about that. But it's a, it's a praise and the declarations like you were, like we were singing when we, as, we, as we sang about how wonderful the Lord is and how powerful he is. And, and let's uh, sing with me, how great is our God. They, they sing that particular song translated, by the way. And there are all these wonderful songs that they sing. And I'm glad that our, our leadership has the kids get up there, the young people get up there and lead the singing. And uh, that's so much better than having the adults tell the kids what to do. The kids are telling each other and praising together. And it's powerful. And so Tia also learned how to play the guitar and he would have learned that only so that he could participate in the leaders, in the singing, in the worship, because otherwise there's really no point in playing. Also, he participates that, at that time in making the birthday cake. Once a month, we have birthday party for all the kids that had their birthday that month, usually about 15 or 20. And when the kid, everybody sits around the parameter of the room and and the birthday kids get called up one at a time. It's a big, big production, but chintzy compared to all your birthday parties because all they get is a little piece of cake and a little bag that has some little gifts in it, a little bit like Samaritan's first shoe boxes, but not quite as much stuff. And uh, they have a lot of fun. And that happens in, uh, we have, we make nine great big sheet cakes and sometimes the children help come up and help participate in that. In a place, at a place like Place of Rescue, of course, you have lots and lots of friends all the time. You have big, big brothers and sisters in your household. By the way, each household is big kids and little kids together like a family. But you also have little kids, all kids your age, and, and uh, lots of events where they can be happy together. We have a, a volleyball court. It also had basketball hoops, which they don't use much. They like volleyball, and they like soccer, and we have a big soccer field. Uh, yeah, how about this? You know, uh, when you had your flood here in Alberta, we made some donations for that. A big surprise. I didn't expect we'd collect so much money, but we collected $900 and sent it in. And uh, it got into the Calgary paper, and then it got on global TV clear across Canada about this third world orphanage that had helped with the flood relief. And, you know, we would never have done it on purpose. Certainly that would have been terrible motivation. But what happened was that people were saying, Alberta's an oil-rich province. We don't need money from a third-world orphanage. <laughs> but our kids needed to give, and that's why we were doing it. Well, one of the groups, one of the people that decided we sh uh, they wanted to give something back to our kids was Smithfield Hats that provide Paul Brandt with his signature black hat. And so they decided all of our kids should be white-hatted. And so what do our kids know about cowboys and and, and, and cows? If you saw Cambodian cows, you'd know they're not nothing to be celebrated. So we we had to reference all of this, and we saw some video, watched some videos about cattle ranching in Alberta, and, and a cute little video from from a, a Walt Disney cartoon from 1956 that was very cute, and it had a song, and then and our English students sang the song, and they ate uh, bread and beef and ice cream, and it was just a, a, a wonderful, wonderful time. As they were as we were getting ready for this for this event that evening, I thought, well. The kids need to do a line dance, and so, so I had our, our 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 dance guy who's so good at choreographing stuff. I just showed him a little bit on on the internet how you do a line dance, and he he prepared one of Paul Brandt's songs, 
and uh, the kids, uh, men are thought, well, they can't just dance with their cowboy hats and jeans. They have to have a shirt. And so we had the dancers also get these plaid shirts. Not everybody got them, just the group of dancers. And then we decided to take that on tour. And so we brought along on the dance tour that year, and uh, Tia got to come to Canada along with the dance tour that year. And we traveled around in that big bus. And uh, wow, they got to dance with Paul Brandt singing live that night in one of the churches in Calgary. It was, it was funny and unique and cute and everything to have these two cultures come together. And these Cambodian kids got up there and did their line dance. But more than, more than that, we did normally we did Cambodian traditional dancing. And, of course, those girls in their beautiful, beautiful outfits, they don't need to be told that they're gorgeous and beautiful. They, they know that. <laughs> and uh, we, did, we do six dances, and I understand we may be coming here one of these days. And I would love to have you see, the, I would love to have you meet the children, actually touch them and hug them and, and smile at them and invite them into your home. I'm looking forward to that happening in the future. Well, these kids got to go all over Canada. Last year we went as far as Montreal. This year we'll be going also to the islands. So in between, lots of places. And this place was where my husband and I first had our first, very first church where he was the first pastor. He was 23 at this little place called Hearts Hill in the middle of nowhere. And we were getting ready. That was our home service before we went to, would go to Cambodia. Huh? And somebody had told me, you wait and see. One day you're going to bring some of those Cambodian kids, and they're going to be here on this property. There used to be a church. They moved the church off. And that, so, but our kids got to go there, and, and uh, that, was, that was really, my life is more wonderful than I could have ever imagined, and I just want to throw that in. Well, that little group of kids that you saw with the white shirts on there, with T and his little buddies, has grown in place at uh, Place of Rescue 1, where I live, to, uh, at the present time, about 250 children, 28 elderly grannies, and at any given time, about 25 adults coping with AIDS. So those adults that are coping with AIDS, we also have about 40 children that are HIV positive. Uh, in that whole group, at the first place, we have lots of teenagers. Uh, so, yeah, if the Lord reminds you, please pray for our 14-year-old and up kids. When, when they have to go off to school, it's just life changes a little bit. Please pray for the, the children who are HIV positive because when they get this age, they begin to understand, I have an incurable disease. Am I going to die? Is it, is it, are the drugs always going to be free as they are now? Is anybody going to want to marry me when I've got AIDS? Uh, am I even going to be able to get a job? Will I have strength to work? All those things that come as they become teenagers and become more aware of their life. During, in this group, Tia is in there somewhere. He was in grade 12. And uh, he and his friend were having some struggles in school. And so they made the wrong choices. Instead of getting help, they started to hate school and they started to cut classes until all of a sudden the school told us these boys can't pass at all because they just skipped too much school. And then we had to do the most difficult thing that we must do from time to time. If you cross a certain line, you can't stay. You can't just live there and eat and sleep and then take off in the morning and go watch TV at a coffee shop or whatever. And so if you're not working and you're not going to school, then you'll have to go back to, a, to live with a relative. Most of our kids, we would never put anybody out onto the street. But our children have, almost, almost everybody has somebody problem is they're too poor to look after them full time. But they often will consent to keep them for a few months if we need to do that. And so we told these boys, okay, uh, we're, you're going to have to leave. 
And after we had that meeting, I went and knelt by my bed in my bedroom and just bawled because Tia especially, I mean, we promised Mom when she died, we'll look out, don't worry about your kids, go on up to heaven, we'll look after your kids, they will have a good future. And then if something happens to interfere with that, it's very painful for everybody. But we had to do it. And so Tia went to stay with his aunt, but that didn't work out for him for some reason, and he decided he'd go and get a job, and that didn't work out. And that poor kid suffered a lot during that period of his of time. And then as we had told him, when school starts again, you come back and just get your grade 12. That's so important. But this time, hang in there and work hard and, and get your grade 12. So he came back, and his little sister, of course, praying for him the whole time he was gone, I'm sure. She didn't mess up. She's a good kid. And he's a good kid, too, but he had some struggles. And so when he came back, he was so welcomed by everybody. Nobody sort of mocked him for having been having to go away. Everybody was sympathetic. His house mom welcomed him back. And then we sat there on my veranda and talked about what had happened and what was going to happen now. And folks, I don't mind if you have a tattoo, but I don't plan to get one. But you know what? When I saw this kid's tattoo when he came back, I was touched in the very deepest place of my heart. Because look, he's tattooed my name on his arm, <laughs> along with my favorite scripture. And it's like, we're not going to be separated no matter what. We are tied to each other forever. And I love that boy very, very much. During this, uh, when they were babies, T and Srehian were both given tetracycline. And uh, if your teeth are not yet, are still in the gums, it will destroy them. And when they come in, they'll just terribly discolored. And so I personally paid for them to get veneers on their teeth. At first, they were basically like you have too much tooth in your mouth. But then pretty soon they got used to how to how to handle their new teeth. And yes, she's very lovely. This girl did the drawings for a game that is available for you to take for free. It's on the back table there. And please avail yourself of that if you have kids or even if you just want to play as, an, as adults. The instructions are in the little bag. Every year, a church in Singapore funds our, our, well, they have for the last couple of years at least, a, 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 an English camp. So all the 14 years old and up kids get to come together and they have a, it's more like a spiritual retreat because, yeah, they do some fun things and they play and have some games and stuff. But mostly it's a spiritual retreat where they really zero in on where the kids are at and what they need to know about their, the problems that they face in their life and what they should do about it and especially how to walk in their lives with the Lord Jesus. And then as, as grade 12 came to an end, and uh, these kids were going to be leaving soon, and that's a big, big step, eh, when they leave the orphan homes and go and live in the city. So I had them all over. I love to have people come over and have a barbecue on my, on my veranda in the evening as the sun is setting. And the kids had so much fun. They love to be together. They love to come to Matye's house and... Uh, they love it if they have lots of meat to eat. <laughs> so we had beef on skewers and all kinds of other good stuff and dessert and games and whatever. Um, we the high school so the high schools do not have a commencement exercise or, or a grad party or anything at the end of the year. All they do is post a big sheet of the names of the kids that pass that important milestone. And then the kids will go and frantically look, is my name on the list? If it is, it's, wow, I got my grade 12. If not, it's terribly disappointing. Last year, I heard of a girl who actually committed suicide when her name was not on that list. She was not, not one of our kids. But because it's a big milestone and the kids are going to be leaving, of course we do it up Brown. We had a big party, a uh, uh, time to get together, and a uh, time for the kids, Tia and the others, to say thank you. 
to give us those last hugs as they are going to be on their way going to Phnom Penh. When they get, uh, when they finish high school, we give them all a laptop. While they're in high school, they it's so different than it is here. They don't do anything with computers because the poor village kids don't have access to that, and the schools don't. With 50 kids in a in a classroom and and uh, grade seven to 12, of course they don't have enough computers at the school either. So it's not part of what they do. Tia was so happy to get his computer. Since then, he's asked for an upgrade because he's taking an, an architecture course, and so he's uh, hopefully he will have a really good future doing whatever that involves. So he, he is saying goodbye to everybody, saying thank you to all the house mums, and just expressing their gratitude. And then those big kids, each year, about that many, will be on their way to Phnom Penh for a totally different kind of life. Fortunately, many of them take advantage of the opportunity to take a special course at, an, at one of the churches in Phnom Penh, a very, very good church. And they offer a, a, a one-year course. They call it Growing Trees. And Tia uh, uh, availed himself of that opportunity, and there's little sister so proud of him when he got that uh, certificate. And, of course, this Matye, very, very proud of him and very happy to, to see him growing in his life. And then uh, he would join the other boys and spend their time in our boys' dorm. In Phnom Penh, we have one boys' dorm, one girls' dorm. Up country, we have another boys' dorm, another dorm for all the children, from the children from our northern orphanages. I don't know if I mentioned that we have a total now in all three, in all of our places, about 470 children, plus the, uh, the adults coping with AIDS and the grannies, and lots of staff, about, I'm not sure exactly, about 80 people on staff now. And so the kids at the, those, there you are, our children that are, are in university. Folks, that feels like success. Uh, it is so wonderful to see them growing up and headed off in the right direction. <clears throat> when we get together like that once a month, we have a special meal together, try to make something really good that they no, normally would not buy for themselves. We have a meal together. Uh, we spend time worshiping, and they also have a chance to say anything they want to say, anything that's on their heart, anything they want to request, talk about. And the, the committee goes down and, of course, gives them all the encouragement that we can as they keep going once a month and discusses any problems that have arisen. But the best thing is when those kids get up there with their guitars and a couple of them leading worship. It's absolutely, there's no words for it. It is so, so wonderful. One time, I believe it was just before this picture was taken, I was on my veranda and I was saying to the Lord, tell me something about growing older. I'm not sure how this is supposed to go. I'm going to be 85 in October. What's, what am, how involved, how am I supposed to keep on being involved and how am I supposed to back off and, and what kind of, what am I supposed to prepare for? You know all the questions that come up as we grow older. And so I had read from Psalm 103 that, uh, he satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And I was thinking about that as I went to this meeting with the kids, and they were worshiping, and the presence of Jesus was so real and so wonderful, and the words of the songs were really amazing. If I knew the song, I would sing with them. If I didn't, I would just sit there and worship. One of the, I started to cry. One of those girls didn't know why I was crying, so she came over and put her hand on my shoulder and began praying for me. It was just such a real time. And so as I sat there, and reflected back on what the, those scriptures that I'd read from Psalm 103. And uh, he satisfies your desire with good things. And, I said, and the Lord said, this is it, isn't it? 
This is it. This is the, your desires with a good, desire for good things that the Lord is satisfying your heart with, to see those kids going on with the Lord. And as I thought about that, he said, and there's 500 more working in the wings that are coming along. Folks, that's huge, you know. It's huge. These kids, if they will follow the Lord and they will, they will marry well and have children, and it's an ongoing river that's going to flow through place of rescue. And thank you, thank you, thank you if you're helping us do it. So Tia, now grown up, looking like such a handsome young man, and, uh, you're not supposed to have favorites, but how can you avoid it? <laughs> this boy is very, very special to me, mostly because he is the one who comes and hugs me and kisses me every time we meet. And so I showed him all these pictures and told him where I was going to tell his story all across Canada, and he's, he's happy for me to do that. Uh, now, I've just as we've come to the end of what I want to say, I want to bring you right up, right up to date now, and that is to tell you a couple of stories, that things that happened just very, very recently. Please pray for Jana. Her name is Jana, 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 so you remember it. Please pray for Jana as she's come to a place of rescue, too, up in the north. Jana was living with her mother and dad. He was a soldier. They were in a very remote um, army camp way out in the bush. There's an old ruin up there on the border, and every once in a while the tide decide they want it, and there will be a skirmish, and there will be some fighting. And about five years ago, this happened again. And so the soldiers were up there in this, I mean, just a makeshift camp way up in the middle of nowhere. And there, Jana's father stepped on a landmine and lost his life. And then about a year ago, as the mother and the children still stayed there in that camp, and as primitive as you can imagine it and poor as you can imagine it, soldiers don't get a lot of money. So she stayed there with her children. And then last year, she died of malaria. There isn't a lot of malaria in Cambodia, but in those remote forested areas, yes. Without medical attention, without the help that she should receive, she passed away <clears throat> and left those four children. Uh, you, can, you can imagine in a Cambodian soldier's camp that there was not much love left for those children. They gave them some rice. Uh, the kids used to run around pick edible leaves so they would have something more to supplement. They didn't get good food. None of them got to go to school, and uh, it was not a good place. And worst of all, during that time, Chana was raped. We have not been able to get her whole story. We don't know if it happened only once or if it happened many times. But this poor child was so caught, and her mom also will have said to her as she died, look after your little brothers and sisters. Well, you're 13, and you're in this terrible situation. How are you going to do that? And praise God, praise God so much because he had his person there. So last month in April when uh, when the, a lot of the soldiers left the camp to go away for, for Cambodian New Year's, uh, somebody, a woman in the camp, uh, grabbed the opportunity to help those kids escape. So she took all four of them and they went to the nearby town. Well, now what's she going to do? And so she asked around and said, does anybody know where I can leave these kids? And then God had his person there. And this guy said, yes, I know. I know the director of that place of rescue orphanage in Mongol, but I, And they made the connection and received those kids. Well, they, Jana especially was so traumatized. She kept hiding like this all the time, wherever she could, under the bed, uh, in the water cool, in the water pot that was empty of water, uh, always hiding her face and scared to death of any male people, any guys that were on the property, whether they were children or adults. And the little, little, little ones also, they were given good food, but they wouldn't eat it because they were used to just eating rice and whatever, and still walked around the property and ate anything they saw that was edible. 
But you know what? In, the, in all of our place of rescue places, we have wonderful, wonderful staff. And the children are wonderful the way they welcome new people. You'd think they would be cliquish. And if a new kid came in, they would have to kind of fight for their position. That never happens. They are so welcome. And so we had all those lovely kids there. And, and the director, Pastor Bunchui, he said, he told the kids, never, never leave these kids alone. They must always have other children with them day or night. And share your stories with them. You tell them how you lost your mom, too, and comfort them and bring them, bring them, in, bring them into the group. And so Jana, that's our first smile. I don't think they allowed all the children to play in that water, but they found out she liked it. And so she, she was allowed to, to swim in that little, I think it's a water reservoir. So little by little, she's beginning to talk. She says now she'd like to, to learn to read and write. Why? So she can look after her younger siblings. And so the first smiles, please pray for Jenna and her siblings and for all the new kids that come in, that the adjustment will be quick and the Lord will heal their hurts. And one more story quickly before we close. This is, uh, interestingly enough, her name, coincidentally, is also Tia. And Tia was referred to us as a woman who was in serious condition with uh, dying of AIDS or very sick with AIDS, referred to us by some missionaries up there. Tia had had uh, an older daughter who they lost touch. She didn't even know where she is, and I suspect she's gotten caught up in the sex trade. She had another boy who was 15 who was on the street sniffing blue, and that's the first step into the drug culture. It kind of deadens their appetite and gives them a sense of euphoria a little bit. So we said, well, absolutely come. Come stay at Place of Rescue Aid Center and bring the boys. But the boy said, no, he would rather stay there. He was on the street. While he was with her, he was the one that would go out and beg so she would have something to eat. Because she was, the, Tia was separated from her husband. He was a drunkard. Every once in a while, he would come home drunk and beat her up and rape her. And that was what this little boy's life was like before they came to place of rescue. So when they arrived, mom was so sick. And uh, then she was taken to the hospital. Somebody else looked after him for a little while, and she was in the hospital. She had, besides AIDS, she had TB, and that's usually fatal. And so, yes, she couldn't make it. I think she, in the end, she said it hurt her throat so much to swallow the drugs, the medicine. I think in the end, she just decided it was just too hard to stay alive. And she passed away. So now think of this little four-year-old boy and try and put yourself in the place of a little kid like that. What does he know about death? What does he know about why did they put my mom in that box? And then they sang and they prayed and they talked and then they went and put her in the ground and buried her. I think that little boy has enough trauma in his little life from his past and the present to last him a whole lifetime, don't you? And so I think now, please, God, let him just be a place of rescue and grow up surrounded by loving brothers who are in his house. Now he's sitting there on the lap of a new mom, and I, I'm, it makes me shiver. <laughs> and I am so grateful to see that little boy smiling there on the lap of his house mom who will love him and care for him. And the big kids, whenever a new little one comes in, that's like a little, another little sibling to take care of. Uh, so please pray for this, for all the moms and for all the kids and that yeah, especially that everybody's hurts will be healed. So there he is. His name is Gal, which uh, it means like a, a like a glass, like glass, something shiny and sparkly is a lovely name for a lovely little boy. Now I leave you with this picture to imprint on your heart. Thank you so much for anything, any way that you can help us. You can help us so much by prayer. You can help us with your gifts. We are in, 
in need of that, and Blaine, are you going to say anything, or shall I continue to say something? Pastor's going to say something. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here to listen today, and thank you for listening so well to what I have to say. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So exciting to see God's work, isn't it? Just fantastic. God is good all the time. Um, so like Mary already said, there's some brochures. There's some brochures on your seats, and I'll be honest. I was paying attention, but I was leafing through it while you were talking, so not going to lie. Um, inside the brochures, there's an envelope if you wish to give. We're going to pass the baskets around. I'll give you a couple minutes if you want to do something like that. They'll also be at the back table. If you don't have a brochure, we've put them all out. So if you don't have one, just put your hand up. We'll make sure you get one. There's an envelope inside. If there's no envelope in yours, you can go ahead and use the church envelope. So one of the parts I liked when I was looking through it is the, I guess it's called the second last page, the what can you do. I thought it was kind of exciting. So you can pray. Obviously, we want to pray, and we're going to pray for them. You can sponsor a child, an adult, uh, a granny. You can sponsor the programs. We can collect toys. We can fundraise. The part I liked is there's opportunity to go volunteer and teach English, if you like, or go over and help out. Volunteer some time here as well. So there's plenty of opportunities depending on what your leanings are or what you prefer to do. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pass the baskets around now just so you have a chance to put them in. The table's going to be at the back still for a little bit. There's also some photos of some of the kids at the back table and some games and some aprons. So be sure to stop by, talk to Blaine. Blaine's at the back. Just wave your hand, Blaine. He'll be happy to uh, direct you in anything or any questions you have. Sign you up to go work over there if you like, whatever it is your uh, your heart desires. So, so we're gonna um, we were talking about the the dancers, the, some of the pictures we had there. So potentially that we'll be able to bring the Cambodian dancers here again. Last time they were here, I think was in 2012. Um, so it'd be nice. So it'd be a whole new batch of kids. Most of you probably haven't seen them from last time, so it'd be good to bring them out here too. So. So while the bass is going through, if you'll just pray with me as we close today. So, Lord, we thank you for your, your works, both near and far. And we, we pray for Rescue Cambodia, the Great Commission Foundation that they're working with, and we just see the lives they're touching. We also pray for Marie and her continued work, her health, guidance for her team. We just ask for more days at the beach. We know you'll provide, Lord. We ask that you help us to share your love throughout our community and to the ends of the earth. We pray for our leaders of the church, our countries, and our communities, and those struggling locally and far away. Lord, we lift up those, the fires in the north, up in Alberta, those who've been displaced, those who've lost their homes, those that are working on it with, you know, the firefighters, the support staff, the people running the stores and restaurants still that are up there. We just lift them up to you as well, Lord. We thank you for the presentation today. We thank you for bringing them to share. We ask you open our hearts and minds. In your name we pray. Amen. You'll find a warm, relaxed atmosphere at MCC. We love worship and music here. We are a Christ-centered church with all kinds of opportunities to reach out to the communities, both locally and abroad, and for all ages. Our Sunday service starts at 10.30 a.m. and runs till noonish. Coffee and snacks are served. Children's church and child care are available.